What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. This week, I mean, much like all of you, you've probably been following this whole Wall Street bet saga. It's It has definitely been an obsession of mine. Your boy got in the stock market. He's holding AMC right now. Uh, but I, I really don't know if I understand the issue as much as I, I think I'd like to. So I had to I had to bring on my friend Alex, who's a venture capitalist and is very close to all these financial markets. So Alex, welcome to Rick's Mind, brother. Thanks, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. So, dude, I mean, let's just we got to get right into this. Like, have you ever seen anything so crazy going on in Wall Street right now? Now, there's, uh, I mean, especially, um, you know, some crazy stuff does happen uh, and has happened in the past, which, you know, will make it to the news. But the uh, kind of widespread coverage that this has gotten is pretty, definitely unique, especially kind of how it came about. You know, they're like companies go bankrupt and there's these one off pieces that uh, that will flare up in the market, but kind of like a collective community push this is this is and then just resulting media coverage this is definitely kind of a one-off yeah man i've never seen anything and so for listeners that don't know what's going on and if you don't you live in a fucking rock uh, there uh, the reddit community of wall street bets which i'm a proud member of uh saw that two investment firms were shorting or excuse me hedge funds see i'm already fucking this up we're shorting gamestop and I'll let you, because I will definitely murder, butcher the whole idea of shorting a company. So do you want to kind of break that down for us? Yeah, so super basic, um, a short position. So you can either take a short or a long position. Long position is generally what everybody is familiar with. You expect a company to increase in value over time. Uh, you know, usually that's going to come from like they come out with better products or whatever, and it's just going to increase in value. It's going to get better. It's like Apple, you know, they come out with all a bunch of new stuff. Uh, and they're a better company at the end, so they're worth more. Uh, that's a you know that long-term bet is a long position. A uh, short position is kind of the opposite. You think for whatever reason, um, either like headline risk uh, or just poor financials, fraud, things like that. You think the business is going to do poorly, and so the stock is going to go down. Um, that's the basis of a short position. The way that it works structurally is you borrow. Um, a share of stock and promise to repay it in the future. So what that means is basically you, you let's say the share price is $100 now, you commit to um, buying it at like $100, but in the future you expect it to go down, say, $90. So in the future, you'll buy it for $90 and give it back to them and make the $10 difference is the, is the very mm -hmm. basic kind of piece. It's, and that's that's exactly how it was explained to me. So, and that's how I understood it. So that's good. So these 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 assholes in Wall Street Betch, these degenerates whom I love, decided, fuck this. They think the stock price is going to go down. Let's buy up all of it that we can. And it's a little bit deeper than that because there's a guy called Deep Fucking Value. That's his Reddit name. He has he bought in, I believe, in August of 2019. And he's been riding this wave for oh, about a year and a half. And the last I checked, or I think on the 27th, the height of, of, 
of the GameStop stock, he was at $47 million on a $50,000 investment, which is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Dude, yeah. that's so nuts. That's so nuts. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, one of the, I mean, the the kind of, so shorts have existed in the market. Uh, they get a lot of hate. Um, historically, I think like uh, 2010, 2000. 12, when we were kind of recovering from uh, the 2008 financial crisis, there was a lot of hate against short sellers because it's kind of like an um, uh, inherently pessimistic view, right? And so everybody likes to make money. Um, generally, they're not well regarded because they're suggesting that the market broadly, based on this one stock, is going to devalue. Um, so they're not loved generally, even in good times. Um, but the key that really came out here was, uh, the, and there's a bunch of like technicals in the back end, uh, that allow for this, but so float is like how many shares are traded publicly. So there's public float. So, uh, kind of like the shares you can buy on the stock market are not all the company's shares, but it's the public float. Um, there's something called short float, which is how many shares have been borrowed and have been, um, are in a short position. So they're going to have to be repurchased in the future. Uh, all these metrics are kind of tracked. Uh, the interesting thing that kind of, uh, led to this whole GameStop issue was the, uh, short float exceeded a hundred percent of the public float, which meant. The reason that it's supposed to go to the moon is because these short sellers need to buy back more shares than exist. So that's that's the real antithesis kind of of this whole whole idea. And that is why everybody on the forum and anywhere you see is saying hold, hold, hold. One of the things I'm I'm confused about isn't the short squeeze. Wasn't that supposed to happen Friday or today? When and what I'm referring to when I say short squeeze is that's the the buy the float that he was talking about that they're going to have to buy back. When do they have to buy those shares back? I I, I was assuming or gamma squeeze whatever. Um, are they are they supposed to buy that back this week? When is that going down? So these are contracts. Uh, so it's just promises to uh, in the future. So they don't take one position on the whole broad market or the whole stock itself. So these contracts expire over time. Uh, I think Friday was, uh, it from memory, and this could be completely wrong, but I think it was like 15 million shares or something like that of a short position, short position were coming due. So that was kind of the expectation that there was going to be, um, a big kind of movement. Okay. And I don't know. I saw, I mean, Friday it was, it was what 300, did it close at $300 a share or something like that? Uh, I think it was in the neighborhood. It dropped pretty big. I think it closed like today, like just over 200. Um, but yeah, it kind of decreased, uh, a little bit. It's, it's fluctuated. I know that the high was like almost 500, like high fours. And then it's back down to like 225 today. So all everyone that's holding right now, and there's a lot of people that are holding GME. Do you think that? Do you think that it's kind of a lost cause? Do you think that 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 the stock price of GME will will shoot back up, or do you kind of think it's on a downward trend? 
You know, this is uh, not financial advice, so pure speculation. The uh, I don't know because so the I completely agree with the kind of uh, underlying due diligence or uh, DD, if you will, for kind of the reason that it should go up. Uh, what we've seen is, um, you know, there is some tactics, I guess, uh, just carousing Wall Street bets. There are some tactics, I guess, to kind of uh, that the hedge funds have used to kind of drive the value down, get people a little scared. Uh, we've seen um, structural issues arise, such as uh, Robinhood and others kind of pulling the ability to buy the stock, which complicates the issue. Um, but on paper, uh, as far as I know, the, the short float still exists on the other side of 100%. Um, but whether that will come to fruition, uh, you know, I don't have a crystal ball that <laughs> accurately reflect, you know, predicts the future. So. I know, man. What did what do you think about that whole Robin Hood debacle? Because, and I'll just kind of give a quick synopsis of what happened. Robin Hood is a retail investment app. So the common man, it, it brings the common man into the stock market via an app, right? You you link it to your bank account and all of a sudden you're trading. You're you're able to buy and sell stock. And I think you can even do options on that. Don't do those. But um this little they're they're um mission statement is to democratize finance or something, something along those lines. Um, it was found out that they're in cahoots with Citadel, um, which is one of the hedge funds that is behind this short. Um, and, and I think, and I could be wrong here. So Demario, if you chime in, if I'm wrong, but um, I believe that because they don't charge brokerage fees, transaction fees, they are they sell your information to some of these hedge funds and that's 60% of their revenue is linked up with Citadel. That is correct. Yeah, they and they're also they're not their own clearinghouse, so that was another uh another kerfuffle in this whole thing was that the they're claiming that they're not the ones um stopping the trading that their clearinghouse is the one that's stopping them and they're uh the clearinghouse was, I believe, Apex, which also does several other of the kind of like app-based ones like Webull and a few others. Yeah. So thank you. And so um, that's kind of one of the sketchy things. So you've got these two large hedge funds that are essentially locking people out from even furthering the volatility of this stock. I mean, what it, does that kind of make you because to me that's like man it seems like the public is able to beat wall street at their own games of these deals that have been going on for years we're kind of doing the same thing that they are um and once we're kind of kicking them in the dick a little bit they're like no no no, stop you can't do that like, and that's not that's not indicative of a free market and that's kind of a sketch thing in my opinion and what are your thoughts on that yeah i would say the Reaction and so um, there were a couple different reasons, uh, valid or not, that Robinhood and others um, took positions to halt trading. Um, you know, as a brokerage house, they do have uh, one of their inherent rights is the ability to choose, pick and choose which which stocks that they or which options, any kind of financial products that they sell. Um, you know, based on their kind of legal structure. But uh, 
And so that's fine, you know, in, in practice, but yeah, it's, it, when you put your finger on the scale to kind of halt trading, uh, it becomes kind of a, a more difficult issue. Supposedly, there were some um, capital requirements that um, I don't know if Apex, their brokerage, or uh, clearinghouses required. Um, and that was one of the basis for the relationship. Uh, if you've seen, there's probably um, news articles about how Robinhood had to raise funds. Uh, I think the understanding is, or at least the news reports are, that that's based on kind of those capital requirements. So uh, mm-hmm. one piece to keep in mind is, um, you know, taking a step back to the beginning of your question um, and more of my work with startups, uh, uh, something that I heard that's pretty great is um, a startup isn't a company yet. So, uh, you know, Robinhood isn't Fidelity. They're not uh, foolproof. They are still, to a certain extent, figuring it out, right? So. Uh, they've had some issues in the past with um, either theft of funds within accounts, uh, hacking, things like that. Uh, they also had some major structural issues during the volatility that we saw during COVID. So they're still relatively figuring it out. Um, I would say that's probably one of the, the biggest things. It's not an excuse. It's it's something that you have to realize if you're using like a new uh, startup platform. Okay. Dude, I didn't, I actually had no, I did not know. That's a good, that's a good perspective to think about like that. They're not, might not even technically be a company. They're sort of front fled. I mean, they are, but they're fledging. You're just kind of getting things started out. That's a good excuse. It's still, I mean, the thing is though, it's just so fishy, you know, that's the worst possible time to do something. Yeah. You know? Well, well it's, yeah, it's, you know, while it may not be malfeasance, it's, you know, it's big headline risk to, uh, you know, at the height of trading, at the height of this uh, GME kind of position to have to uh, have like a structural issue that requires kind of capital coverage or things like that. And so, uh, yeah, while it, again, may not be uh, out of uh, either something that uh, hedge fund or somebody else asked them to do uh, out of kind of like an illegal or like just poor judgment choice, um, you know, based on their kind of still figuring it out, uh, it may have resulted in uh, absolutely poor timing. Oh, yeah, man, the worst timing ever. Uh, but I mean, in perusing that, that subreddit of Wall Street bets, dude, there are some ballsy people out there i've read so many accounts of people dumping their 401ks their life savings. dude i don't think that i would go that far i i don't think because the reality is this is the way i see it all right i see it one of two ways all right i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the two sides of me one is the positive side where a lot of people are going to come up out, out of this that it's going to we are we're going to shake the financial system a little bit we're going to i mean i don't think that i mean the fact that you have these hedge fund managers calling for fucking regulation i mean that's a sign that that's insane cuz those guys want everything deregulated right so i think that there's an opportunity to really get a lot get get more people into investing 
and to really maybe change change a lot of pe- people's future. Then there's the dark side. And this is, I think the hedge funds will eventually win because they're going to get bailed out and backed by the banks. That makes sense for them. They're both kind of the same financial entities. They've already lost, I think, $70 billion um, or some, some ridiculous amount of money. But they're going to wait this out or restructure the contracts or, change, or tweak the rules because that's what they do. And the stock prices are going to fall and a lot of people are going to lose a lot of fucking money. I think those are the two ways that it shakes out. Uh, I'm betting on the second choice, but, uh, oh, whoa, there he is. Let's see this tomorrow. Just thank you. Um, Melvin capital hedge fund that bet against, uh, they've lost 53% of what? I don't want to click on that. I'll have you read that pop in when you can, but, um, it's, uh, it's just, it's just, it's, it's a crazy thing, man, but it's exciting. It really is exciting. Like this is seriously the outside of like, you know, a, a Roth IRA and some of the boring investments that I do through work. This is the first time man, I've been dumping money in the stock market and I did it. And I will not lie to you for the first time. As soon as I did it, I was like, oh no, this is going to be a fucking huge problem for me. Cause there's just a, endless possibilities and we should also make something very, very clear. What we're talking about right now is not investing at all. It is fucking gambling. 150%, in my opinion, it is complete gambling. And I love, I'm a degenerate human being. And I was just like, dude, this is great. I want a short. I want to get on the short silver short. I want to get in on, I bought Nokia, AMC. I bought it all. Uh, so that... uh that stat, the 50, where is that? The 53%, that's Melvin Capital's total losses in January. They lost 53% of their investments over the course of the month. Whoa. Who do you think's getting fired for this, Alex? Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I have not worked at a hedge fund, so I can't necessarily, you know, I don't know if they're going to um, fire anyone for this because it's, um, not, uh, sorry. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone's going to get fired in terms of, um, it, hedge funds are pretty closed loop, uh, in terms of, uh, what goes on inside of them, uh, is, is kind of, they keep among themselves. Um, you know, obviously no big hedge fund, uh, I forget who runs Melvin, uh, but, uh, I don't, he's not going to fire himself. So, I don't think that yeah. and it's not a, you know, it's not a corporate entity where they have to make kind of a, uh, an example of anyone. Uh, they're just trying to, at this point, cover their positions and figure out, uh, what the best result is that they can still salvage. So, you know, actually a really good thing to ask you just for the listeners that might know what is, what is a hedge fund? Like, <clears throat> you know, kind of in your, it's a, it's a weird seedy thing, but what, yeah. What for our listeners, people that don't know, like what, what would you, how would you define a hedge fund? So originally a hedge fund. So hedge funds have kind of become uh, basically a, uh, it's an investment tool for large sums of money generally to kind of invest in public markets. Uh, it's, that's not always the case. Historically, it started off as, so the name uh, hedge was, it was supposed to be like hedge your bets. It's uh, hedge against, it's supposed to be kind of like constant growth. It's not supposed to be anything crazy. It's supposed to be like, 
uh, through good and bad, you get like a 6% return. That was originally what it was. Um, they did a lot of boring stuff in terms of like fixed income, uh, you know, blue chip stocks, things like that. Originally when they started kind of, I think in the sixties, maybe 40, somewhere in there, um, it morphed into, um, kind of a different retirement vehicle where they were just, or so taking a step back, usually hedge funds, a lot of their money comes from uh, wealthy private investors. Um, they also get a lot of money from uh, endowments, uh, so university endowments, um, like Yale has a huge one, Harvard has a huge one. Um, you know, much smaller schools uh, also still have some kind of endowment. Uh, sometimes they participate in hedge funds. Um, public employee retirement plans, um, kind of any large uh, foreign uh, sovereign wealth funds, so uh, like Saudi Arabia's wealth fund, things like that, um, they choose investment vehicles. And so there's different ways that you can go about it. Let's say you're uh, a school endowment with like $100 million um, that you need to invest. You can. There's a couple different choices. You can invest in a in a hedge fund, you can invest in a public equ or private equity fund, or you can invest in a venture capital fund, for example, uh, or you can create something called a family office, which is basically you invest it all yourself uh, through, you know, you hire the managers to do it. Um, so uh, on the basis, a hedge fund is just one of those options. Hedge funds generally trade in uh, public equities. Uh, they can take long positions or short positions. There's other different investment vehicles where they can only take long positions, but hedge funds can do either. And so historically, they got the bad reputation simply because of like those short positions. They were able to kind of bet <clears throat> against the market um, and kind of anticipate that it's going to go down. Um, if you're betting that something is going to go down, there's been um, like Greenlight Capital is a good example of uh, using publicity to kind of uh, help that. So, for example, if you have billions of dollars and you take a short position and you go on CNBC or Bloomberg or one of the other ones and you talk about how poor the company is, generally that usually helps your short position. Uh, and so um, historically, that's where they've been. Now they started to uh, kind of diversify because generally they can do they have flexible uh, terms. So like they started to invest in private companies, which is more of a VCPE thing. Um, but that's kind of the basis, long-winded answer to what is a hedge fund. That was beautiful. I'm going to ask you two questions off of that. And we're going to need you to find blue chip stocks because there's a lot of people that don't know. You're, you're coming at a level that's, that's a lot. Your financial IQ is very high. So we're going to have to dumb it way down. What is a blue chip stock, my brother? For sure. Feel free to uh, slap me anytime I say anything that's no. Uh, I love too it. No, I, I love <laughs> it, man. You're you're a master at your craft, so this is good. So blue chip stock would be, um, you know, now people can generally think of it as probably like an Apple or a Google, something where it's a historically good company. Uh, when the term uh, came around, in a, I don't know when it originally came around, but. Um, when we were growing up, a blue chip stock, a blue chip stock for our parents was like a GE, uh, a Sears, kind of those legacy companies that have been, you know, growing at five, six percent forever. They have thousands of employees. Uh, it's a very kind of solid investment. And we're back. Sorry, we had a little bit of technical difficulties here. No, nah, man, but. Um... <clears throat> I was going to ask you, uh, we're, we're talking about uh, venture capital, private equity. Um, you're, you're saying that hedge funds were 
are investing in um, startups now, which is, uh, when did that trend start? Like, has that been something in the past 10 years or, or is that kind of yeah, a longer I don't, trend? Yeah, it's not, it's uh, relatively recent, um, possibly 10, definitely like five years. It's significant. It's far less common in terms of like the amount of dollars that they invest. It's, it's a lot smaller, but yeah, they've started to kind of, uh, as they look for return, uh, so return on their investment outside of uh, public equities, what they're able to buy just on the stock market. They've started to look at things uh, which are more akin to like a venture capital fund or a private equity fund where they're investing in either startup companies, which would be um, you know, in the space of venture capital or more legacy companies, cash focused returns, uh, which would be akin to like a private equity investment. Nice, man. So one of the things that I haven't asked you yet, though, because I gave you my my rundown, right? Um, but how do you think this ends? How do you think this ends? Does does Wall Street bets reign supreme? Are they able to take their diamond hands and ride their rocket into the stratosphere, stratosphere all the way to the moon? Or do the evil hedge funds win yet again? Wow. So the issue, so I would be bearish, but I'm also not, so like I would be, uh, I don't think it's going to result necessarily positive, completely guessing here. Um, the, again, it's, so one huge issue that uh, the average investor faces is uh, timing and liquidity. So um, one of the great examples is um, taking a short position. So any any investor can take a short position. You don't need to be a uh, you know hedge fund. Um, you may need a margin account on your brokerage or something like that to take a short position. But generally, any you don't need to be an accredited investor. So an accredited investor is a person who either has uh, a certain amount of assets, um, generally above a million dollars, that excludes like your primary residence, or has uh, like a certain level of income, which I think it's like two hundred and fifty. Thousand, I could be making that up. Two hundred fifty thousand for like the past two years. So those are like accredited investors. Those people can participate in like uh, they can actually invest into private equity funds or venture capital funds. Um, you don't need to be that to uh, short stocks. Um, but one of the inherent um, so everybody who else, which uh, has come to the forefront in this whole Wall Street bets thing, is retail investors. Everybody else is a retail investor. Uh, one issue that um, has been highlighted before by retail investors is uh, shorting stocks. So if based on kind of your, your available capital and how long you're able to uh, sit in an investment um, can dictate more things than how good the investment is. For example, um, if a retail investor takes a short position in a stock, they can know um, you know, not working on any like insider information, which is like if you work at the company and you're you're trading on like non-public information. Um, but like if you've done all the research and like you've read all the articles and you've like been to the stores for whatever and you know this is a trash company um, and they will go down uh, in price in the future once the broader market figures it out, uh, the problem will can be if you are able to take that position and keep that amount of money 
invested in that position for long enough for the rest of the market to figure it out. Because often what happens is uh, the timing isn't on your side. So either you can um, invest that amount of money, you have that amount of money, but you can't keep it invested for the required amount of time. So like one year or like six months or 10 years, whatever it may be, um, you just don't have the ability to keep that amount of time in there. Or you don't have the, the capital, the money to invest in that, so you can't even take a big enough position to make like a meaningful return. Um, and so that's what I would be concerned about here is um, depending on how this works out in terms of uh, a great example is the Robin Hood debacle. Um, you know, the stock was driven down simply, you know, one of the probably inherent factors was inability to trade on Robin Hood. So if you're in a position where you can't trade the stock or if the short squeeze comes at a position in the future that's too far out for you to hold for that long, or again, because this is kind of a collective community effort, on average, the group to hold for that long, uh, it becomes less and less likely uh, for those kind of outsized returns expected. Well, it's speculative. Going back to your point, the difference between an investment and a non-investment, this would be speculative, which is a non-technical investment. Uh, timing or kind of capital could not be on your side. Um, again, these hedge funds have billions of dollars. Uh, they also do this, you know, every day, all day. Uh, this is their main business. So their ability to time the market um, is working against you. It's definitely working against you. And, and the fact that they're selling, they're dumping stock too to bring the prices down and then buying it up again and then dumping more. People don't know that. Plus, you don't know that they don't have people riding in that community, in that Wall Street bets community. Like this has turned into a, a little war of attrition, and it's fascinating to watch. It's like a, it's fascinating to yeah ladder trading. Yes, um, this is it's fascinating to to watch this this go down. Um, and 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 kind of to if you have if you've seen the movie The Big Short, right, where it's chronicling the uh, housing market crash, uh, Michael Doctor Michael J. Burry, who is played by Christian Bale in that film, that is exactly what you explain when you have the banks when he shorted all the subprime mortgage loans saying you need to fucking pay us what this is worth now. And, and his fund is bleeding money because he knew that it was full of shit. And, but he had to pay hundreds of millions of dollars in order for the rest of the world to figure out that the sky was falling and that there was going to be an economic collapse. That's what you're referring to. Correct. Essentially. Yeah, absolutely. So like a great example would be, uh, let's say you take a short position where you know that um, it, like the company is going to go. So one thing, uh, also taking another step back, one thing to realize is, so the most amount you can make on a short position is 100%, right? So if the stock, if you buy it at $100 and it goes to zero, the most you can make is that $100 per share. However, if you take a long position, it can go up. It can go up more than 100%, right? It can go to 200, it can go to 300, and you can make... Um, you know, three times your investment, uh, the, or two times your investment, the, uh, other pieces. So if you take that short position at a hundred dollars, the losses are infinite. So the returns are fixed at a hundred, but the losses are infinite because as that stock goes to two, $300, you still have to buy that stock back in the future. 
So your losses could be 300% while your gains are only, you know, 100% potential. Um, that's one piece to keep in mind. And then the, going back to the, the timing piece is just, for example, if you have everything figured out, all the stars are aligned and you know this is going to happen, if it takes six months and a day and you only have the ability to hold this position for six months and you have to cash out the day before, uh, it's all moot, right? Because it, it doesn't mean anything because nope. your your timing is wrong. Yep. And that's I think that that's what we're gonna see. I really do. I think that I think that people um certain people are invest excuse me, gambling. I will not call this investing. Certain people are gambling without quite understanding. Like if you're willing to sell your stock for less than you bought bought it, like that you probably shouldn't be in the stock market at all. Like you need to just either write it all the way down to nothing and then put more money in it. Cause that's kind of how this works. But I just feel like when you get that many assholes uh, and degenerates in a community, there's someone's going to freak out and sell early. You know, I just don't trust it, but well, again, absolutely. I'm one of them. So <laughs> what? Well, absolutely. Uh, if anyone is investing in this at this point uh, or any point previously, if you're ever in, find yourself investing in a speculative investment, um, you should only be risking uh, funds that you're willing to lose. It's the exact same thing as gambling, to your point, um, because it's a, it's a speculative investment. It's not adjusted for any of kind of the risk involved. You're basically putting it all on the line and it could go up. So the other thing is you can participate and you can make returns that you're comfortable with um, you know, and a lot of these are outsized returns as it goes out. So outsized is like abnormal returns. Is it as you are in a like as it fluctuates like 130 percent a day, um, you know, people on average are content with like six, 10 percent as a fantastic return over the course of a year. So, you know, if you put your investment in and you get out something that you're comfortable with, um, you know, whatever that percentage is, uh, you know, that is a win regardless of whether it goes to a million dollars a share and you didn't participate in that. I, I'm really curious as to like what deep fucking values number is. Cause he was up at 46 million on the 27th. And then he was down 14 million the next day. And then I wonder if he's got a number like if as soon as it hits 60 million, I'm done. Or if it hits 50 million, I'm out. I'm not gonna lie. I would have I would have I would have definitely bailed at 46 mil after after a fifty thousand dollar investment. Is that uh is that for is that today's? Is it, he's at he's at 35 million today? Yeah, deep fucking value is at 35 million today. Uh, but he was at 46. <laughs> And maybe if it hits fifty, I mean that's uh, that's absurd. Fifty thousand dollar investment, and he's he's at thirty five million right now. It's, it's so crazy, man. And he's still holding. Well, he's and and he could. So forty six was the previous high watermark. Uh, you know, just as an individual, you know, he could be reevaluating. Right, forty six could. You know, it it may not be sixty in the future you know, depending on how confident he feels that he can get back or it'll get back to that 46 million, you know, he could have reevaluated and it could be at a number that's much lower than that um, in the future. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't think so because he's still holding at thirty five. Yeah, he could but, be just letting it um, ride. <laughs> he could. He could just be letting it ride. It doesn't really matter at this point because yeah. I mean, is he's still going to come out ahead? He's he's got fifty. I mean, no matter exactly. no matter where it goes, he's he's it's still very winning. Unlikely that it'll go back to his original investment, so he'll probably make at least a dollar, which means yeah. he's willing to let it ride, probably. Yeah, for sure. That's that's a little bit different. I I have some friends that are are psychos, and one of them, I think he threw an eighteen hundred dollars, and he he was up to sixteen k at one point, and he's lost a lot of it, a lot of it, and then he he's doubling down. He was one of those psychos. He just threw uh, an old Roth IRA in there. I was like, man, he can lose this money, but. Um, it's been, uh, dude. It's been nutty. It's been, it's been, it's occupied a lot of my time. Um, I've had a, it's a, a lot of joy, and, and it definitely got me interested. I wasn't expecting 2021 to start out with such a bang. Very optimistic on how this year is going to go. I've been very entertained <laughs> thus far, so that's been good, man. Dude, I I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show, and. Breaking this situation down for all of us, because it's been nice, man. You are a, you are a, an expert in this field, and I mean, why did you? Real quick, yeah, why did you get into this? Like, what about this system? Uh, being a venture capitalist and and working in the stock market kind of drew you in. Is this something you've always wanted to do, or is it something you kind of found later in life? Uh, so I would say it's something I found later in life. You know. Um, so I is in venture capital, I deal in private markets. So like the, you know, my exposure to the public markets is, you know, similar to everyone else in terms of uh, retirement accounts and any kind of like side money I have available for uh, investing at the time. But like one big piece that I really like about um, kind of this private investing and I figured out over time, it was much later in life, um, you know, I originally went to school for engineering. This was something where I saw like the opportunity in terms of like finding something where I'm interested in like six out of 10 career fields, as opposed to like a couple very narrow, you know, um, working on race cars or, or airplanes and engineering. And so that was something that kind of you know, being able to use like my ability to do math and like put together a spreadsheet and figure out kind of uh, what makes sense aligned better with finance than with engineering. And so I made that jump to finance. Um, from there, I kind of figured it out. I didn't come from like a finance family. So like uh, a lot of it was, um, you know, doing informational interviews, talking to people, finding out that that job sucks. I don't really want to do that. And so kind of like chasing something that was interesting, um, you know, I eventually got into, um, I started out in structured finance, which structured finance is generally debt is the easiest way to explain it. It's uh, putting together pools of pools of debt. I did a couple jobs with that. I eventually got into um, investment banking. And so I was doing sell-side M&A, mergers and acquisitions, which meant um, depending on the company, it had either been like... Uh, like a family company that they had started in the 1950s. And, uh, you know, now they had like 50 grandchildren and they were looking to uh, kind of diversify because all of their wealth is tied up in this one investment. Or it could be something where uh, it was, you know, a couple, um, 
people who had started a company like five or 10 years ago uh, and were looking for some outside uh, private equity investment. Um, and so what really sparked that and kind of my journey into venture capital is working with like founders and kind of uh, like CEOs, like figuring out like how they think, especially coming from, so previously I worked in like the restaurant industry. So uh, these were like, big regional, super regional or national re, uh, restaurant chains. And so uh, I think everybody agrees that like on the face of it, restaurants are generally all the same, right? But uh, mm -hmm. the ability for like a good founder to differentiate and create kind of an experience, think about like your favorite restaurant, um, you know, whether it's the food or whether it's the customer service, like that ability to like differentiate and kind of uh, create a product that is, you know, generally widespread. It, it, there are millions of alternatives, but they're creating kind of something that's really compelling to customers um, was something that really stuck out to me. So kind of working with founders, figuring out um, how I can help them best. And, you know, a lot of the time it's simply an infusion of capital. So like they need some money for this next grand scheme. Um, but the other piece is, you know, founders are focused on their kind of like day-to-day -day activities. Like their whole job is, you know, making the restaurant or making the uh, or making the website better, whatever they're doing. Um, that's their main business. They have other pieces like finding talent, you know, raising debt, things like that, where uh, it may not be in their core competency. Like that's not what they know best. They know, um, you know, B two B uh, SaaS, uh, software as a service, like programs, things that, um, sales reps or accounting, uh, people use every day. They don't necessarily know those pieces. And so kind of working with them, getting inspired by them, figuring out how they think, and then helping along the way, uh, was something that really stood out to me. So that's kind of like long-winded way of how I made my way into VC from an interest I love it, man. I have no, that's that's good, man. I, I love that. I appreciate your story, dude. And uh, I appreciate you being on the show. Well, that's all that's all we got time for right now. But uh, oh, for all my miners of intelligence, this is not investing. This was not financial advice. But uh, by Jimmy, hold it, son. Hold the line. Diamond hands to the moon. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.